0: Hi and welcome back to another episode of Building a Life You Love. This is your host Kristen, and I cannot wait to talk to our guest today. We are going to talk about her new book, Indestructible: How You Can Reclaim Control and Respond with Confidence in Immediate Crisis. But I would say even more important than that is how do we keep ourselves out of immediate crisis if we are running, you know, our a company or our brand is ourselves, you know, what, whether a consultant or we have a, a larger company. So at the end of the day, it's about what's our true north? What are our guiding principles that we stand behind? And then how do we listen and pay attention to what's being said about us or our company, you know, before something becomes an issue? So I think this is an invaluable episode to listen into. So let's get started. Hi, right, today on the show, I would like to welcome Molly McPherson. She is an author of the book, Indestructible, Reclaim Control, and Respond with Confidence in a Media Crisis. She's also a crisis communication specialist, a podcast host, and speaker. Welcome, Molly. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Kristen. Absolutely. I think this is such an interesting topic in an area that you focus on, and I have to say, reading your book, there was so many amazing stories and things you've done from Working at different companies to working with FEMA and in different government organizations, so I know this will be a rich conversation, and uh, we'll you know we'll really be able to share I think a lot of uh, kernels for people to take away. I can hope you, so. Yeah, can you first start by telling us a little bit about your backstory and what you're what you're doing now. I, my story
1: starts in the suburbs of St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm from the upper Midwest. Uh, my family, my you know friends growing up, most of them are still there. I ended up uh, on the East Coast due to school. I ended up going to graduate school at the Boston University at a time when the internet was just kind of creeping around. My class was the first class to have an email uh, at that school. So that is the timestamp of when I was in school. But learning then uh, about the internet and just mixing it in with traditional media um, has never left me. And you know, here I am, you know, over 20 years later, and still doing the work that was initially formed from my time in graduate school and understanding that. I felt I was going to be working in a place where old technology, traditional media was going to meet new t- new technology. And it's just followed me throughout my career and has landed me here in the entrepreneur space where I do crisis management, crisis planning, communication planning uh, for clients. But I really specialize in the area of that digital media crisis. And so much of that was formed back when the internet was just starting.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I'm similar in a story, you know, same, you know, nineties in the, in college. And, you know, and then I worked, I started working for a somewhat of a tech company in 99, you know, so similar in those ways and definitely same Gen Xer, you know, here too. So let me ask you first, this is such an interesting time to be in your profession. You know, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of information being sent to us. I'd say, especially as the digital space, we continue to get more tools it goes faster and faster and then with covid we had more time on our hands so we were even more present i think online than probably ever before so what's the first thing though that you would tell to tell people like how do we how do we behave online first of all you know let's say we have a business how do we make sure we're behaving in a way that we aren't going to hopefully find ourselves in a crisis
1: there are two different audiences when i discuss this issue certainly there are My clients, uh, who I counsel, whether it's creating a critical communication plan, which is what I call it, it's uh, it's the hybrid of a communication plan, which is very proactive, and a crisis communication plan, which is reactive. It's planning for all these events, and then also, like you, it's when I have conversations with my teenagers, talking about you know the real day to day of the risk that you can bring to your reputation based on what happens online. And I am so fortunate to be a person who is working and creating and building and sustaining a business in a field that I love, that I could talk about professionally and get paid for it, but also just talk about it around with friends um, or with family. Right now, you're absolutely right, Kristen, coming out of uh, the pandemic, um, I think uh, what we've learned is that technology is not just... Um, an idea or a way of life for the younger generations, you know, Gen X, millennials, and now Gen Z. We've learned, uh, like opposition that I've heard for many, many years, that older people don't use the internet. They're not on social media. That was never true. And I think the pandemic proved that, that we are all in a digital society. We're all in an ecosystem where we, we all use technology at some level. And maybe some people you know, the, the quote unquote, okay, boomer crowd, which is not an age. It's a mindset.
0: Yeah. Um, it's
1: just understanding that it is here and it could be used for
0: good and not so good. Yeah. Well, and to the, to your point about the age, my mom's 78 and she's pretty tech savvy. She's quick to learn things. If she, you know, wants to learn it. She, I think it was in January. She's literally like messaging me and she goes, Hey, I'm thinking about, she's an artist is one of the things she does entrepreneur and artist. She's like, I'm thinking about putting my art on one of these Bitcoin marketplaces. Oh, what do you wow. think? And I'm like, mom. And so we had this whole conversation around it, but I was like, my mom's 78 and she's she knows what the things are. You know what I mean? And that
1: is a wonderful story. I love that yeah. story.
0: That is the opposite of my mother who
1: will call and say, There is something wrong with Apple. The (laughs) Apple iPhone does not work. The Google does not work. You know, it's everyone else's (laughs) issue.
0: (laughs) It's true. Well, Yes, my mom is very tech savvy. But to your point, it's not that she knows all the things tech, but she's actually a good learner. She's a quick learner. And so and she stays up to date on some of the, the trends, right, which is not every person. But we used to have we have an online business together as well. That's in the early education space. So that's the other reason. So we've worked online since two thousand and eight. Together with that, I like what you said about one. It's just the mindset, right? Is what you talk about a lot because I know you talk about even if we're not good at tech, we have to start figuring it out. And I know you talk about some people might you might consider yourself what is it digital misfits, but we all have to become digital naturals, right? What what I liked about that though was you're basically saying I think we don't have to master everything, but we do have to figure out what we're good at, and then how do we use those skills online to, whether it's to communicate or talk about our business. So would you share anything about that with us and how important it is to master something or at least learn enough to communicate with with people, with our audience?
1: Yeah, the digital misfit, and it was inspired by, you know, fellow Gen Xer, you know, Rudolph yeah. the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of the Misfit Toys, where there was nothing wrong with them, but right. they felt like they didn't belong. So it speaks to a mindset around technology, around social media, that it's something that is a nuisance, that it is it is driven by people like millennials and young people who are narcissists, who spend all their time uh, you know, with their noses and their phones, and it's not for us. Um, having been in this business for just a number of years and watching that trajectory of just more acceptance and more people adopting the use of it. The digital misfit is the person who has it in them, but they weren't brought up in a time where technology was afforded to them. They had chalkboards, not whiteboards, not smart boards, <laughs> pencils, papers. These are the people that have beautiful penmanship, that know how to write their name, a signature. Uh, They did not have technology where digital naturals are people where they had technology in their hands. But again, it's that mindset piece of understanding, well, just because I wasn't brought up this way, I may learn about it or come to it a little bit differently but is to adopt the technology, the social media that works for you. You don't have to do everything. You don't need to be a master of all, but you can just specialize in certain areas that you use, that you feel comfortable with. And the best part is that it makes your life easier. When that comfort comes um, with using the technology, then the comfort follows with being able to put yourself out there. There's certainly a difference between professional and personal. I, of course, speak to the professional space, that people who are comfortable in social media, online, putting their face and their name out there uh, tend to have more success when a crisis is around the corner because people are already familiar with them. That goodwill has already been built and it's already there. But if you are someone, a leader, a person who uh, represents a brand or a business and you're the person that feels that you have that more of that antiquated thinking that I, I think social media is silly. Those are the people who struggle their way through a crisis.
0: Yeah. And I actually, I thought that was really good in your book. And I know you said thought leadership, which you didn't necessarily love the experience overused, but I thought that was a really good point that I wanted to talk about for a minute, which is what you, I mean, what you just mentioned. The point is, is you can't wait until something's going on, right? Like a crisis or even just bad sentiment to show up right? We need to, in other words, we need to constantly, as the person in the company or the company, we need to put out the information. We need to be in contact with our customers, with our employees. And so what else would you add to that about how do we do that well? You know, with the companies that are doing that well, what what does that look like?
1: That's a really good question. Um, Again, it speaks to what is the culture of your company, and there's Mm. certainly the personal culture, but there's also the adaptation of your digital Culture. Mm -hmm. I work with organizations who still deal in the tangible items that if someone needs something, it is required that their customer has to get in a car and drive to the establishment to buy something or to get information about something or to speak to a person. They're managing a business that is decades too old. In a, in a time when people can go to their phone, bring up Amazon and order, you know, a dozen coconuts to be delivered to their home within 24 hours, mm-hmm. they expect to find information online as well from the people who they're doing business with, mm-hmm. especially critical people, whether it's um, or organizations, it's uh, utility, it's school districts, it's government, yep. it's it's anything, anything where someone needs that information. If they can't find it, or if it's a struggle. Or if there are too many obstacles there, it creates um, this uncertainty, which can turn into anger. And -hmm. when customers get angry for longer periods of time, they start to question. Well, why are they covering this business? Why can't I get this information? And if something is happening concurrently, there's a crisis or an issue, the two come together and they collide. And it can be disastrous. It doesn't have to be a huge crisis to stop operations. It could be one person on Facebook who has decided, your business frustrates me. Your business is not transparent enough for my liking, for the liking of your customers. So we're going to do something about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So two things there. The first is we obviously talk about in your book. I don't know how you can't not talk about cancel culture at this point. But how do we how do we handle that? Like, if, I think it's really hard, whether it's you know your personal social accounts or whether it's your business. I think it's almost like it's, I think most of us feel like we can't say anything at this point, right, without someone being offended by what we say. So how do we navigate that? And, and it's fine if we talk about from a business perspective, but I think that's just a really hard thing now. I feel like people are scared now to say much of anything other than this is how my company or my product works.
1: Kristen, you absolutely nailed it with the fear factor. You know, people mm-hmm. are afraid to say something and it's not quite that they're worried that they're going to offend someone. They're more afraid of the blowback, from potentially mm-hmm. offending yeah, someone because yeah. blowback yeah. is not in a private setting. It's usually very, very public. Right. I understand that fear. I understand the hesitancy mm-hmm. um, from people, from you know, from clients, you know, anyone mm-hmm. who I talk to about this idea of the cancel culture. The cancel culture is not new. The right. term is new, but the thought of someone Holding someone else accountable has been with us since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. The only thing that has changed is the means at which people can, for which people can communicate their displeasure over someone's actions or behaviors. Um, So the cancel culture is just a way of people criticizing online, but it all stems from one place. And that's a lack of accountability. Usually when something happens to someone, whether it's a company, a a leader, a brand, a person, it could even be on a town Facebook page. You know, it could be a town manager. When people publicly, when there's an incident or an issue, when people dodge, when people blame, when people will bait other people onto another discussion, you know, all the things that people Mm -hmm. do. To get out of a conflict, uh, that type of human behavior, um, people can spot it a mile away online, and so yeah. they will call you for it. So it's not a call for being afraid to put yourself out there. It's just a call for being courageous enough to to have your issues, take your stand, and then stand by them, mm-hmm. and to be accountable. If you're someone who's afraid of accountability, well, then you have to question yourself. Well, what am I hiding and why is that?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, good point. What about, um, so obviously one of the things you talk about is we should be giving communicators, the people that are representing our business or our customers, a seat at the table. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think too many companies, some companies do this really well, but there's a lot of other companies that aren't really using their advocates maybe fully. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about why is that so important?
1: Kristen, you and I are of a similar age, and I'm sure you can remember coming out of college when you worked at your first jobs, Mm -hmm. women were not at the top of the hierarchy. You know, Mm -hmm. it was filled with men. And so you and I, in our generation, we were conditioned to assume that all the leaders were men and we still, Mm -hmm. you know, act that way. Like I just go back and tap into the Molly working in the nineties. And I think, oh my goodness, like what a different time it's understanding the the area that we're in now the ceo isn't necessarily the older white gentleman sitting behind a desk behind a door protected by then a secretary a female secretary right. Mm -hmm. Now our CEOs, they're both men and women, They and also non-binary. I mean, there's all different genders, race, economic status, education. You know, so we have so much diversity in our leadership now, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. It does change that power structure and that power dynamic, Mm -hmm. which is another good thing. It dilutes the power so more people have, quote, a seat at the table. When I started in communication years ago, I was, I, not only did I not have a seat at the table, I I wasn't even in the room. I was, you know, two doors down the hallway just because I was a communicator. We were only there to, you know, type a press release or, you know, fax, you know, something, even though I was a director at that point. Your communicators are your first line of defense. If anything happens, they're managing your social media pages. They're Mm -hmm. writing your media statements. They're speaking to the press. They are your primary spokesperson when something happens. If they are allowed a seat at the table and we, it's not only just them, but it's the idea of the importance of communications. After the pandemic, I think, you know, something that happened to our industry, which is wonderful, it was elevated and people have recognized the necessity, but also just the intelligence behind it and the work behind it. That communicators are a pretty savvy bunch. I tell my uh, clients: bring those communicators into the room, sit them at the table, ask their opinion, get feedback for what they're hearing online. That's social media. It's not one-way communication. It's two-way. It's one to mass communication. That's a, that's a great, you know, it's a great way to get feedback and like a focus group. So let those people in, talk to them, respect their opinion Mm -hmm. and follow the advice that they give. That's something that's changed.
0: Yeah. And one thing I don't remember if I, where I saw it, but somewhere I saw it, maybe it was in your book, but you were talking about someone you're giving someone advice, I think. And you explained that, well, look, I'm coming from, I'm wearing all these different hats as I think about it. Right. And I've thought of this about myself for so long too. You said, I'm a, I'm a PR, you know, crisis management expert. I'm a mom, I'm a middle child. I'm a, like, you're all these things, but you're wearing every one of those hats, including your consumer hat, including your, right? Like all the things like your, what would happen if hat. And I've always thought that way too. Like, hold on, are you, I'm going to tell you from all my perspectives, right? And I thought that was so important because I think too many companies, the person just says like, well, I don't know if this will work or if this messaging makes sense, but it's like, hold on are you really thinking about your customer? Are you really thinking about how is this going to be perceived? Do you, so to your point, the diversity is so important because most of our customers are going to look like, you know, all different. You know, there'll be different people in different places in their life. But what about that? I thought that was a really interesting thing where you're like, well, you kind of have to look at all the hats, right? Or I have to wear all the hats because it it matters. What would you say about that though? Because I don't know if everybody really thinks about that.
1: Um, I find in my work that I will encounter you know, people who are, you know, set in their ways, the status quo, this is how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. This is how it always works. And I understand it. And I also understand where people live. Are they are they urban? Are they rural? What generation are they? What is mm-hmm. their background? Are mm-hmm. they liberal? Are they conservative? It's very easy nowadays to spot, you know, to, yes. to spot, you know, a political leaning when you meet someone. Um, it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I want people to be to understand that their personal opinions can taint and cloud mm-hmm. objective planning, objective mm-hmm. responses to how incidences are happening. But on the other hand, I do like empathetic thinking and reasoning. Um, I, you know, you and I both, again, of the same age, we're kind of right in the middle. You know, Gen X's, mm-hmm. we're surrounded by baby boomers and millennials. We both, you and I were in school at a time, right when technology was happening to us. So yep. I feel like we're grounded in both sides, which is, right. which is important. And I say too, because I'm from the Midwest, because I grew up in the twin cities, mm-hmm. because I'm a middle child, because yep. I lived in Minnesota, you know, I'm from a part of the country where we take in a lot of information. We're not highly opinionated people. So I think yep. I have a somewhat of a unique mindset with that, but it, it helps to put yourself in the shoes of other people's at all times. Yeah. You know? Yeah what, you know, you can have your thought, but then then distill it through, okay, in the mind of your customer. Mm-hmm. How does this look to them? If we don't provide this information, this product, this promise, whatever it is, how mm-hmm. are they going to feel about it? And if you can't do it yourself, right. then you need that objective opinion from someone else on your team. So yes. strip away your hardcore beliefs. Mm-hmm. and um and the hills that you would die on from your personal beliefs and think about the problem you can solve for your customer, for your stakeholders and how yeah. you can help.
0: Oh, yeah, so good. Well, and on it, this is a little bit of a, a side note, but I was thinking of it probably as you were speaking. The, for instance, I just switched the podcast hosting platform I'm on just this week, actually. I was not planning on switching, but honestly, I was so wowed by one I hadn't used prior... I was so impressed. I mean, I must have emailed with them, you know, or messaged with them five times. And every time I got the quick response, it was super thorough. It actually hit each of my points. And, you know, it was different people responding. But every time it was, you know, it was so point on. I mean, they had so many good features, but it was their responses. Like they didn't just I didn't have to go look at their checklist and be like, well, it's a little unclear. What does this mean? You know, but it was their response. And now they're going to have me as like their biggest cheerleader. Right. Because they've been doing everything right from their um, communications to me, their response times. And while that's not exactly what you're talking about, just that last second, to me, it was they're, they're doing everything to make me a happy customer. Right. And so now I am going to be going and talking about their product because I'm so happy with it. But I just wanted to point that out because I think the point is, is if they do a good job now, even if something later doesn't work perfectly on their site, I'm going to be like, "Ah, it's fine. That's just a little thing because I'm I'm so enamored already. And it doesn't mean somebody can't mess up. I get that we can all do something that makes us not be, you know, happy customers. But I just think the point is is if we, I think the what I was trying to say is if companies really do live out their mission and their values, right? Which is you know, they said, you know, their high touch will always be here. You can email us anytime. We will respond. And that's what they're doing. Right? So they're not just saying like, "Oh, yeah, we have a little chat box on our website." Like they're actually Answering my questions, and so I just thought it was such a good example of a company doing a good job, you know. And then they're allowing me to connect with each of their team members, if you will, right? It's not. Just, well,
1: you know, I have to ask which which podcast. I mean, if you're the ambassador now, which yeah, podcast? I know, I just so I'm new on it, so I may
0: learn different things. But uh, I just switched to Captivate FM. Okay, okay, yeah. interesting. And I honestly, I you can even have multiple for their price point. You can have multiple podcast shows all under one platform, which is because uh, I have several other ones I'm planning to release in the next couple months. And I was like, that is amazing. And I, I mean, I literally had to keep clarifying, like, are you sure? Like you mean podcast shows, not episodes, right? Right. <laughs> and
1: they right. Said, yeah.
0: Yeah. But they have a lot of amazing features uh, on and- there.
1: And it sounds like it, it really a, a a critical part of that exchange was the uh, the communication that you received. Hundred uh, percent from their customer service. So in other words, you had problems, you had questions, yeah, you had concerns, you had doubts, but they were able to solve that for you. I had a very similar experience with a uh, with a company, an online company, mm-hmm. where they kept charging me for something, and I felt that the language uh, was. A little non uh, nonspecific, too nonspecific mm-hmm. for my liking, where they yeah. were taking my money. And their customer service rep replied to me with the um, with the line, well, if you read the you know, as soon yeah. as you hear if you read this, you're the hackles, you know, just raise on the back of your neck. And then it's this little embedded line somewhere that no one's ever gonna see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I did, so of course that infuriated me, right? I immediately went to Twitter. I immediately went to the CEO of this company and tagged the CEO on Twitter and asked, and I think I did it in a DM, a direct message. I didn't blast it, you know, Mm -hmm. on my main feed, but I went straight because I thought this is a tech company. The CEO has to be on there. And sure enough, the CEO was. The CEO got back to me immediately. Like Mm -hmm. I I was remember I was making dinner and I had pasta. By By the time I put the pasta in, it wasn't even finished yet he had replied to me. Yeah. And step by step, he asked me my questions. He asked me what happened. And then he said, I want to get feedback for the, for the systems that we have in place. Could you help me? And then the other thing that he did, mm-hmm. he recorded like a, a video, like a loom video. Yeah. So I said to him, you are following, like that's an indestructible leadership framework for customers. Yeah. And I liked it. And then he took my information and I responded in kind. And not only did I reply in a video, but I went on Twitter and I complimented the company, mm-hmm. tagged the CEO for the work. That's what I'm talking about. If Absolutely. you embrace that, people are going to
0: be your ambassador. Absolutely. I had another uh, co- online company, similar, same thing. Like I had been in contact with you know, their sales team and their other teams. and We'd used their product before. They came out with a new product. It was more in the online, like online conference space. And literally though, at some point, the CEO or founder had asked for feedback. And so I emailed him and he responded, we had a conversation going for two weeks, right. And it was him responding and emailing back and same sort of thing. You know, there were, I mean, they have a pretty decent sized company, you know, and, but he was the one responding and giving, you know, like asking for feedback and then responding. So same thing. I already really liked the company, but I hundred percent liked it more at that point when you saw the engagement of the leadership. Absolutely, mm-hmm. so good. So one one thing that I think uh, one of your episodes I think it was let's see episode one fifty four. You talk about such an interesting topic, right? You're talking about social media sleuthing, but I think that's a really interesting thing. And so, what would you share with us about that? Like we know technology is powerful, right? And and then sort of how quickly things spread. But what would you share about that story, or at least how how fast things are moving that can be related to um, you know our strategies? The
1: episode of, about social media sleuthing uh, was really the backstory was about the Cap, the Gabby Petito case mm-hmm. uh, the the young woman who was traveling with her fiance out west. They were documenting their van life experiences for a YouTube channel and also primarily instagram and i like many people were caught up you know just in the story in large mm-hmm. part because it was it was constantly showing up on social media and i happen to be on tiktok only as a voyeur i'm not on it yet you know using it uh, that's coming shortly but i was fascinated by well, you know one you know true crime is certainly a popular um a popular programming um, element for, you know, entertainment right now, but how it seemed as if the community on social media was ahead of law enforcement. Now, certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, law enforcement is doing a lot of work, uh, you know, offline that no one knows what they're doing, but still, there seemed to be a lot of elements there that people online were getting faster than law enforcement. And at, to this time, you know, you and I are recording this October 20th. We still have not found Brian Laundry, So he's still out there. The theory that I took away from it, because I wanted like, what practically can we learn from this? Yeah. And it, it was about social media sleuthing. How people can dig around your website, your social media, either of your company, your employees, your leadership, mm-hmm. and where they can find something and bring it down. So the question to discuss is how it happens is first to define, well, who does it? And something that I uncovered in research that I knew all along with working with a lot of my clients, when there is a quote unquote, digital crisis, a social media crisis, Mm -hmm. when your Facebook page blows up more often than not, it's a female behind that. Mm -hmm. And the reason is not because females are vindictive. But it's because female females are very tech savvy, social savvy. Mm-hmm. We are creatures of stories, we are creatures of collaboration, we are creatures of community and working together, especially if there appears to be some type of injustice. So in this case, it's you know it's the death of, of Gabby. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be. I ordered a meal from DoorDash and it never showed up and they're going to be just as quick. It's not to say that males don't do it, but in the Gabby Petito case, because it was driven by a crime and more true crime aficionados are are females, that same type of fervor can be directed towards your company as well. So be mindful that it's there and the more that you do have online for information and that transparency the less likely that there is something that's going to happen and that's going to explode with your company or your brand name.
0: Yeah. So one thing that kind of ties into that that you talk about is monitoring. So what can you share with us about? You know, we should be monitoring like what's being said right about our company or us even. You know, if you're a a figure, right, that's doing it, has any sort of audience, I guess.
1: Yeah. And this could even apply professionally, but also personally. Mm -hmm. And the the term that we use is it is monitoring, but it's also listening. It's just social media Mm -hmm. listening. Mm -hmm. When is there noise happening with your name, your company, your leadership, your family, your kids, Mm -hmm. Uh, you want to have visibility on all places where your name could reside. What is, so personally, what is your digital footprint? Where are you and what can people find um, for you? Professionally, there should be someone on your staff that is constantly monitoring um, for the name of the business, names of leadership, key personnel and staff in your company. And it's as simple as creating a Google alert. You know, that would be one way. Yeah. Um, Also having... A third party platform that could also, you know, research names, some, you know, for more of an investment might give you the sentiment of people talking about you, whether it's positive, negative or neutral. But many social media crises happen when uh, there's an open uh, there's an open social media network or someone finds a photo or something that was once said that will Mm -hmm. come back to haunt them.
0: Yeah. And I don't are there any in particular of the listing platforms that you recommend or not in particular. I just haven't, I have not, I used to use them. I have not currently been using them. So I may not be up to date on all of the offerings at this point. Well,
1: certainly all of this social media networks right now, the platforms will notify you. If you turn on the notification, if you are tagged or, um, you know, in any type of social account, you will get that Um, without a doubt, a Google alert, every single person should have a Google alert on their name and any Mm -hmm. iteration of their name. Um, so that's professionally and personally. For parents, they should have um, Google Alerts for their children, for their family members, uh, for companies. Many times a Google Alert will do the job, but yeah. there's just a number of paid platforms out there as well that can do it. And it's a simple Google search of yeah. that you know, that reputation management there, but the simplest, a Google Alert does the job too. Yeah, and
0: that's oh, good. Yeah, that's good information. And 100% agree, that's fantastic. Uh, even actually you can find sometimes if your site's been not, not hacked that you can see it, but like there's malicious stuff loaded, sometimes Google Alerts will come up with your, your domain and you click on it and you're like, what is this? But it's it'll be like ghosted page or something. In other words, it'll show you other things as well sometimes that you, do, you wouldn't have known otherwise, you know? Yeah, so I think point. that's good. So let me ask you, what would you want to leave us with? Like maybe a last tip or tidbit or two that you just think, okay, this is the world we're living in these are the two things you can do to sort of, um, be prepared, you know, for whatever might come, you know, that crisis or that, like you said, it's kind of something on social media happening to you.
1: Uh, Kristen, on my podcast, uh, every podcast I end with an indestructible PR tip. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. That's my brand now. The name of my book is Indestructible. And I'm also, you know, I work in indestructible PR. It's this idea of communication strategies and tactics that prevent you from being destroyed. You know, how are you crisis proof? Uh, It all comes down to, and I think this is perfect for the, you know, the format of your podcast is this, uh, and it will bring us right back to the beginning. It's having the right mindset for the time that we're in. It's Mm -hmm. understanding that social media is not just a network of young people. It is as powerful as television network news was 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. This is how people communicate. This is how people um, shop around news, shop around for products. Um, This is where where reputations are made and destroyed. Mm -hmm. Understanding that it's used. Uh, in for your company, for your business, but also with all the people that, you know, if you have a better mindset about it, you're going to be able to be more uh, protective. It's very counterintuitive, intuitive, but most people think you have to close in to protect yourself. But really the more that you kind of show that you're open, accessible, and authentic online, the more
0: protected that you are. Yeah. And the, the thing I would uh, just note, I think the other thing sort of right, the theme is if you're just truly a good human with a good mission, right, your vision for your company and for your team, the way you treat people, right? So if you're a giving leader, maybe a servant type leader, the this is going to be the type of people that want you, they want to surround themselves with you and they want to, you know, support that business, right? In other, in other words, just be a good person and have a good mission and actually work hard to to fulfill that, you know, and then we should be better off, right, than people that are doing things we shouldn't be doing and, than pretending like we're one way, but we're really another way. If you live by a
1: golden rule, then your
0: reputation will be golden. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Tell us how can we find out more about your book and your podcast and everything else that you have to offer.
1: Well, the best place to drive people to to really get a sense of the work that I do is Twitter. I'm at at Molly McPherson. That's where I kind of live and breathe, and that's where I kind of broker my knowledge. You know, most times, uh, certainly uh, there's my website, Molly Molly and and then also you know the book on Amazon. So I'm just a Google search away. Um, so definitely check me out, and thank you so much for taking the time uh, to speak with me, Kristen.
0: Oh, such good information. Thank you. Oh, I think there's so many good takeaways from the conversation with Molly today, whether we're looking at this from our personal lives and what we say and how we act online, or if we're leading a business or a personal brand. And I want to read you an excerpt from Pat Flynn's book, Superfans, that kind of speaks to exactly what we were talking about today. Here he goes. When you have a big audience paying close attention to everything you say and do, you have to be thoughtful about messages you put out there and be willing to let something slide. Back when my daughter Kai was almost two, she was starting to outgrow her crib and getting really excited about having a real big kid bed. So we promised her bed for her birthday. We ordered one for Pottery Barn, but when it arrived, there was just a headboard in the box. Kai was pretty upset, and so was I. So I decided to take to Twitter to give Pottery Barn an earful, tweetful, about how they ruined my daughter's birthday. But as soon as I hit return in the tweet, a number of people replied back saying, Pat, this sort of thing happens to all of us. Can you get off your high horse here? The almost immediate negative responses were like a splash of cold water to the face. They reminded me that everyone goes through stuff like this from time to time. And although people were sorry to hear Kai had been upset about the bed, they also made it clear that I was being negative and whiny. About 12 or 15 replies in that vein, I decided rather than delete the tweet, I'd keep it public. Instead, I apologized and owned up to the fact that I was being petty and entitled by choosing to complain. Thankfully, several people replied back acknowledging that I'd owned up to my mistake and showed that I'd learned from it. Bottom line, you can still make mistakes and keep your fans. The key is to be aware when you've done something wrong. If you mess up and people react negatively, the first thing to do is slow down and pay attention. Don't just react. Assess the situation calmly. Listen to what people are saying. Then take your time to respond in a thoughtful way. People will see that you've taken their comments to heart, and most will probably appreciate you for that. Above all, hold yourself to a high standard. Not in the sense that you should act like you're better than anyone else because you're not, but because your words and actions are naturally going to be noticed. So you have to put a lot of care into what you put out there. When you have a big following, you have to remember how every word and every action represents the brand you've built. It may require some soul searching and discomfort to come back from a mishap. But it's still possible to save face and earn back trust if you're honest and act according to your core values. Amen, Pat. So good. Uh, I love that he shared that example in his book. And that is a great book if you haven't read it yet, by the way. So I just want to leave you with that. At the end of the day, just show up and be a good human. Show up and know what your values are and just live those out. And I think we'll all be okay. And it'll probably be a little bit of a better world as well. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And I also wanted to let you know, if you have been having ideas swirling around your head about what can you start How can you bring in extra money? Then I would love for you to check out the site and learn a little bit more about a program I'm launching called Launch Your Creative Side Hustle, which will start November 1st. So if this is of interest to you, I would love for you to check it out. We are going to help you figure out your your focus. We're going to help you get those first steps started, get your first sale and get going so that you can start bringing in more money, just go to kristenfitch.com slash side hustle to learn more. And for people that sign up between now and November 1st, I'm giving away several extra bonus episodes as well as having a couple surprise guest speakers and lots of other goodies. So if you want all those extras, check it out now and get signed up. I cannot wait to get started and work with you. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.